Hello and welcome to episode 165 of Three Beers a Movie. I'm Richard Laird and I'm with... Barry Neal. Barry, we're once again doing this via Zoom because we have to do things via Zoom. Although we did see each other in person in the flesh for the first time this week in about yeah. a long time. Yeah, it was kind of weird not to be staring at you through my iPad. I'm it not was, you, looked, you looked a lot bigger. It was very odd. It was <laughs> More nice 3D. <laughs> yeah, it was like yeah, 3D, Barry. It was very odd to see you in, in all dimensions. Um, but for now... <laughs> If we were smart, we were recorded then, but we hadn't watched anything at that point, so recording would have been kind of stupid. Um, so yes. we have to, had to wait, and they're recording via the old medium of Zoom, which is now becoming a, a well-worn trait, and hopefully it's not for much longer. But I do believe with lockdown number two sort of very quickly approaching, it feels like, that our mm. hopes of meeting in the pub to do this are going to be limited to, 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 to for, for much, for at least for the end of the year, I reckon. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Like you said, it's, it's very much on the horizon now, isn't it? It's like every time I wake up. Though, strangely, when I woke up today and jumped on Twitter, I seen that the Queen is Dead was trending. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> I had just woke up, I clicked on it, and it turns out it was for some album or something by yeah, somebody, yeah. and I'm like, oh. <laughs> so, that at least made 2020 like, more yeah. interesting if the, the Queen had also died during it. The biggest problem is she looks healthier than a lot of the like uh, people underneath her. She you looks know? healthier than me. So. You know, and she's got a good fifty years on me. You know, yeah. You know, people singing about protecting her. Every every, every sport was people were singing about protecting her and saving her. So maybe that's why. I need to take God on our side, and maybe we'll be yeah, yeah, yeah. forever as well. And yeah, yeah, I do believe though. Yeah, I don't know, but I, I I do believe the Queen lives a good lifestyle. I know? think she's I think she's doing all right. I, I don't think COVID is affecting yeah. her that much, to be honest. If anything, making her life no. easier. She doesn't have to go to any sort of like, <laughs> she doesn't have to go and open a, a like a new road or a new airport. She's like, fuck it, I can just stay at home and just enjoy life. Uh-huh. You know, she's loving Slowly it. Slowly getting poisoned by all the paint fumes. Aye. <laughs> You know, her life is, uh, if anything, COVID's made her life easier and better. <laughs> if that was possible when you are the Queen. Um, yeah, lockdown number two is approaching. That is curtailing a lot of things, you know, cinema viewings as well. So, this week, no cinema viewings. It is all very much a a streaming service uh, look. Um, Hopefully, get to cinema this week to see a few things, but I'm not 100% sure that is going to happen. So, we'll have to see how how the week plays out. But anyway, we'll start off. I was just going to say, is there anything on the cinema list that's ticking your boxes for next week if you get um, to go? We'll get to the the end of this, but um, Bill and Ted 3 is out in Station Music. Ah. I quite like to see that, so we'll have to see how that's going. That's also streaming, I think, as well. So we'll have to see how much it's charging for the streaming version of it. But uh, Mm. I'm not ready to go for that. Like, illegal stream, not the illegal streams that some people on this podcast occasionally dabble in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> wonder who that could be. No, I, I, I do, I, in all fairness, I do actually do my fair share of renting through Amazon. I, so I know, like, I know, I know. It's, it's for certain occasions, like sporting events or like more kind of just random miscellaneous, that's when it gets used. But no, for the most part, I do actually just rent the movies because sometimes I can't be bothered with piss poor quality. I just want I to watch the movie, you know. When you're streaming something and you're doing it illegally, that there's the quality is just so much less a lot of the times. And you people say, Oh, it's just the same, it's like something that's not, and that's and I'm, I'd rather pay the one night the five ninety nine sometimes to get a film for Aye. renting, you know? Yeah. You know, and not, you I do mean, know it's I would have done it like say six months, eight months ago, but I'll do it now because of the way the world is. Mm. It's like you definitely do notice it on the bigger televisions, like 
if you're sitting there, like you do see the picture has been quite conveniently stretched to try and fit yeah. the TV. Some of the times it's decent, but it's like little things. Like I started watching Chernobyl again last night, mm. and it's like it doesn't have any subtitles on it. So every now and again, they'll randomly say something. And because I've watched it before on Sky Atlantic, I know it pops up subtitles at bits, uh-huh. and it didn't do it this time. So I'm just sitting there, and these people are gibbering away, and like whatever they're gibbering away in. And I'm like, okay. Okay. Well, that's sure, a thing. The stuff this week we're talking about is all very much um, available wildly um, to, to all. Um, the first one up is a Netflix film, a Netflix original. So it's available to anyone who's not got Netflix in the world right now. It's probably one of, you know, about three people. So this is available yes. for much everyone to watch. And it's a film called I'm Thinking of Ending Things, which is based mm. on a book whose name I can't remember who wrote the book. Um, but it's written by this. It, the screenplay was written and the film is directed by Charlie Kaufman, who you probably know from directing things like Adaptation and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. That was one of his as well. So he dabbles in the weird and strange. Okay. Okay. That that explains a lot. Yes. That's the, that's, yes. The plot of this film is: is a couple driving to see the family of the boyfriend. They've never they've never met the girlfriend. Um, on the way there, you are aware of the girl's internal monologue is that she is going to leave her boyfriend. She's not happy in a relationship and she's looking to end it. When she gets to the house, all manner of weirdness sort of happens within the house. And she starts to sort of question even more about her relationship with her, with her boyfriend uh, and his family indeed. And even when they leave the house, in fact, there are even more questions that are getting asked about her state in the world, um, her mental state, and also what her boyfriend is about and who he is and indeed can she end this relationship with him? Um, it's very hard to describe this film because there's a lot of sort of very sort of ethereal up in the air concepts going on. It's not particularly linear. It's quite hard to, to, sort of, mm. to, to talk about. It's, it's essentially just a story about a, a girl wanting to break up with a boyfriend, um, but there's sort of very strange things happen on the way to, to allowing that to even possibly happen. Um, yes. And the film, you've got Jesse Buckley, who is one of my favourite actresses going this now. She is in Wild Rose. And she is also in Beast. You get a chance to see Beast. Um, she's also in Doctor Doolittle, the, the um, Robert Downey Jr. version, but maybe not watch that one. Watch, watch Beast or Wild Rose. Both of them are excellent. Uh, Jesse Plemons, yeah. who is turning into a really very good actor who never gives a bad performance. Um, I was really good in, uh, in this. Um, and Tony Collette pops up in it as well as his mother. Uh, Tony Collette is going full Tony Collette on this one. And David Wellis as well pops up as Jesse Clemens' uh, father. Um, <clears throat> so, I think we've hinted at this film already. It is quite a cerebral movie. It takes a lot to try and take it in. You've got to be sort of fully engaged with it. It's not one you can sort of dabble in and out of. It really doesn't. It does require complete concentration. Uh, and if anything, even yes. with complete concentration, it's still very hard to, to follow what exactly and what the point of what's going on is. Um, like, whereas Tenant, mm-hmm. For example, people have given that a lot because they're confusing. I mostly understood what was happening in Tenant to, 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 to the most part. Um, I didn't really understand what was going on in this film for a lot. For, not maybe from about, for the moment they get to the house, it became very yes. confusing to me. Um, were, you, were you similar in that respect? Yes, absolutely. This was the film that just before we started recording, I had said that there was a film that melted my brain. This was, <laughs> this was the one that melted my brain because honestly, I was just sitting there. Pretty much like you say, from the farm, I was just sitting there like, right, I kind of got the first bit and then it's like, when it started kind of like jumping, like the timeline for the 
for the parents. That's yep. when I was just like, what the fuck is going on here? And then I did think there was going to be something more sinister down the basement. I was a bit disappointed when that was <laughs> revealed. I was a bit like, oh, damn it. I don't think it was worthy of all that uh, sellotape over the door. Yeah. You know? I was yeah. expecting something a bit more grim. But yeah, yeah, it kind of melt my brain, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever yeah. see a film but, out last year, I think you did before, called Mother with Jennifer Lawrence? No, I skipped it because I think it's a horror movie. It's kind of a horror, but it's got the same idea of like, it's got the same idea of like this time concept and this, and almost as a house acts as an allegory for what's going on. Um, but mm. equally, it has the same idea that it doesn't ever at any point pander to its audience. It doesn't try and even explain to its audience what it's thinking or what it's trying to do. It just presents yes. what it's doing and then it makes it forcing you to sort of decide and make up in your own mind what you think this means, which I appreciate for the most part that is something I look for in a film. A film that doesn't you want to be able to sort of enjoy a film and not have everything spoon fed to you. But if you're yes. going to make it so sort of cerebral and so out there, like a film like this, you have to give the audience some guidelines as to what's going on. And I felt there was really no uh, indication of what was going on in this film. No, no, there was there was none whatsoever. Like I said, there was kind of like bouncing with the parents like all over the point. It was yeah. like them going being like really old and like kind of almost like the tail end of their lives yeah and then it bounced all the way back to the mother being like a maybe like a 40s mid 40s kind of almost age like schizophrenic stuff like time she was in it as well yeah yeah and you're just like what is even going on here man yeah um, what will you about the film and then obviously what we talking about i thought the dialogue was fantastic and the way they deliver the dialogue is brilliant like sort of the it is something for people who who are a lover of the written word on screen, you know, hearing it spoken out. These two people, all, everyone in the film mm-hmm. seem to understand how the dialogue should be delivered and, and they're always completely engaging throughout. Like Jesse Buckley mm-hmm. and Jesse Plemons, I thought were brilliant in the roles. Tony Collette, I thought, was mm-hmm. a little bit sometimes over the top. She just she didn't really, she was a wee bit sort of over the tone of her performance, was a little bit over the top compared to what everyone else was doing. Same with David Threllis, mm-hmm. somebody I thought his was a little bit you know bigger than what the film needed and needed to be more grounded mm. um, much like the two stars uh, Buckley and Plemons they had a much more grounded reaction to it and um, but the, the way they deliver the, the words I thought were fantastic and it, it does it does the film is lyrical and is wonderful to listen to um, mm. but sometimes those words and lyrics don't really go where you want them to go or even indeed know what they're going for nah, that was the biggest issue I think yes this is definitely another movie because the last chunk of the movie is the car journey to the house and then the car journey back again. Yeah. It was, um, you know, it it makes for a very slow-paced movie, I found. Yes. Um, so, you know, don't go in expecting this movie to have, like, lots of things happening. A lot of it just happens, like, between two people in a car in a snowstorm. So there's not even a lot of scenery to look at either. No. Um, and if they yeah. drop hints of things, you know, like, they do drop hints of things that you don't ever really feel that they come back to properly. You know, with the idea, mm. like, she talks about the the swing set, the brand new swing set in the old house, and it's like, why is that there? And it's like, yeah. is that, that going to pay off later on? I don't think it ever did, really did pay off later on, and that was slightly irritating. You know, it's like, no. what's the purpose of bringing that up then? Kind of looking back at the film, I don't know if that was kind of some sort of, like, hint, some sort of, kind of, like, hint at 
for like some sort of weird timeline thing. I don't know if I'm kind of reading way too much yeah, into no, it. It's like a new swing set, an old house. It's like you're entering like a strange place where things like this happen. Yeah, no, no definitely could be right. Um, yeah. So I think um, we can agree the narrative, did, is pr- the narrative is pretty confusing um, and some of the character choices are a bit unclear. And it, I felt because it's so confusing at times, I did feel very mm. disengaged with it. Like I didn't really care too much as, as to what people did or why they did it. You know, I, I sort of lost mm. interest in like finding out, like, will, will anyone be happy at the end of this? Will, will anyone find yeah. a solution? I just didn't have any interest towards that towards the end. I just kind of was hoping mm. for the end in the final sort of way. Yeah. Like the stuff for the janitor just never really came to, I don't understand what the point of that character was. No, I actually thought it was him in, a, in yes. another timeline. Yes, you know? we thought that, that as well. That's, yeah, it was. This was... Like, it's not a, a short watch either. It's like a good like two hours and thirty minutes. minutes or yeah, it's, it's a chunky. Twenty minutes, yeah. It's like, it's a good chunk of change, and they're just like Jesus, man. <laughs> yeah, um, I yeah. I describe it as like yeah, it's, a writer, few... it's a writer director kind of basically. It's his it's his like sort of cinematic masturbation. You know, it's only for mm. him. No one else is really yeah. getting or enjoying what he's seen, but he's very much in love with what he's putting on screen. You know, and he's loving it. Yeah. But no one else is really getting it that much. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did I did quite like the the style. See the way the aged people at the very end. I did actually yeah. quite like that. It it was very reminiscent of the Walking Dead game. That kind of like. Yeah. Uh, comic book style, just like big uh-huh. thick lines of makeup on their face. Aye, you know. Um, yeah, like in the end, the, the end just didn't give me enough conclusion as to what the purpose of the ending was. No, I, I think no. I think that's the problem with the film entirely. It's just like everything just doesn't seem to make sense, and I come away from it going, yeah. I think that I, I, I made, it made me feel dumb, and that's I don't like to make me yeah. feel dumb, and that's the not problem, the problem. As I said off air, I had watched like two hours worth of like vintage, well I say vintage, but like my era of uh, wrestling. So to go from that, which is all pretty much chair shots and people laughing and joking around, to suddenly watching this, yes, to suddenly watching this, I'm sitting there like, what? (laughs) What's even going on? You know? Yeah, you watched watched it on a Tuesday night and it just maybe. Maybe a film that would benefit from being in the cinema to some degree because you, you would maybe engage with more if you're, you're less distracted. I don't feel I was distracted watching this. I felt they put a lot of attention into this. But maybe I think it might be, for me, it might end up being a bit like um, Eternal Sunshine where maybe like a couple of, like a couple more watches and you and if you maybe read into it a bit more, you might start picking up things. At least I might start picking up things a bit more and understanding it more. Very true. Eternal Sunshine, much yeah. the same. I didn't really buy into it very early on, but I've have seen it multiple times since then. And you begin to appreciate mm. what it's doing and why. The adaptation is much the same as well. Um, you do mm. yeah. more from that as more you see it. Um, so I think it's, it's not one for everyone. Um, I've not really recommended no, it to anyone yet, um, to be honest. Um, I feel this will get buried quite. I will get buried. Uh, I'll just get. I'll get buried quite quickly. I think. Um, yeah, out of ten, I'm going to go. I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it seven. I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt. I do believe that is something in there that's just mm. completely missing me by. Um, yeah, I liked all the performances in it, and I liked. I liked it for the most part the way it was all filmed and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, seven out of ten. I'm close. I'm. I give it a six. Same thing. I liked about it the same as you. I liked the performances. I liked the dialogue. I liked that it was short, I enjoyed that, but I just the narrative structure to it just didn't engage me and interest me enough that I felt I just felt lost within it. And I, I then mm. I wasn't an enjoyable film experience to watch. You know, I, yeah. I don't feel it was two and a half hours well spent. I felt like I could have spent that time 
better you know watching something else um, so I, yeah. I felt like, and I'm intrigued he had a guy I'm intrigued to know what he can do but this one was, I don't think it was his finest work I think it's something that he really enjoyed but I don't think the rest of the audience was really quite as engaged mm. yeah. Yeah. yeah fair play on from that to some more time travel stuff. Uh, you haven't seen this one, but I'll be very brief on this one. It's called James versus the Future Self. I saw it on Sky Movies and we looked for it. It's a Canadian movie directed by Jeremy Lalonde, who directed a film called How to Plan an Orgy in a Small Town, which is actually a very funny, um, funny movie. Um, the plot of this one is there's a, a scientist, a physicist, who one day somebody goes back and somebody comes meets him and it turns out that it's his future self basically try to stop him from inventing time travel because because he invents time travel, the world, his own world goes to shit. He doesn't meet the girl he wants to meet, he ends up basically ruining his life. So he's been taken mm. back in time to stop him and try to convince him not to invent time travel and also help or in so, the same way help him fall finally to a girl that he loves and pines for. So it's got a kind of sweetness in that respect to it. Um, and the funny dance there. Sorry, continue. Yeah. I was just going to say, in all the classic traits of time travel lore, where if you mess with the timeline, it starts changing everything. Yes. You know? In this case, he's probably wanting to change the timeline in order to stop it happening. Yeah. That, you know what I mean? So, it, 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 it's yeah. almost, they make the point of if you if we succeed in what we're trying to do, then the old version he's talking to won't exist because there'll be a new version of him. Mm. Does that make sense? So, yeah, yeah. They yeah, also yeah. try to destroy this version of himself. Um, and I find that Daniel Stern, um, everyone knows as Marv from Home Alone, uh, Big Paul Robert. Yeah. He, he plays yeah. the future self, he plays the older version. Uh, Jonas Chernick plays the younger version, James. Uh, you've also got on in the film, you've got Cleopatra Coleman, who plays the sort of the love interest. She's in the TV show uh, Last Man on Earth, the comedy one. Ah, okay. She's in that. Mm-hmm. And also Frances Conroy, who was in The Joker. She plays Miss, the Mrs. Joker, the, the, the mother. Um, she turns up as a scientist as well. So this is exceptionally Canadian. It is very quaint. It's very nice. It's very friendly, um, and it's mostly sweet for the most part. There's not a lot of like sort of deep meaning, sort of like harshness to it. It's quite surface level and it's quite nice and, and kind of lovely. There is some bad language. There's yeah. some sort of sexual when you're into it, but there's nothing really particularly like sort of like you know risque about it. But it does. Mm-hmm get to sort of quite emotional depth, you know, in regards to who the characters are, which I really enjoyed. And the idea of like, you know, some people over, you know, the, the dedication to work over personal life and that, the same traits are in, in, in tons and tons of movies, you know, when it comes to these sort of workaholic people, you know, trying to forget about this one singular goal and try and, you know, resort to more, you know, personal life, you know, trying to enjoy life rather than just focus on the main thing. Um, performances are all lovely. Um, Daniel Stern's good as the old version of it. Um, the only thing I would say, the argument of only at this point was there doesn't seem to be the same character. You know, they're, they're both supposed to be playing the same person, but mm-hmm. they don't really seem that connected. If you know what I mean, they don't really. I can't really see how one becomes the other. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, they don't have the same kind of train of thought and all that. Ah, yeah, and just yeah. general st- like when, when you watch like Looper, for example, I can see how and gone like it becomes Bruce Willis. I can see that they, they, they act similar, they have similar movements, similar, you know, do things strange, they know, different the same way. But in this one, mm-hmm. it feels like they just seem like two different, completely different characters. So if someone said to me in the film, you know, this guy from the future, I go, who is he? Well, he's me. He's like, what? Well, no, nah, it doesn't give me any vibes of who, of, of being you. Um, the performances mm-hmm. individually are good, just they don't work so much as a, 
a singular entity. Um, yes. Time travel stuff mostly sticks to its rules and makes sense within its world. So that's always a big we talked about it before how as soon as you introduce yeah. time travel, it seems to always sort of fall apart and break down very quickly. This yeah. it does go against some of its rules sometimes, but for the most part, it pretty much holds to the the time trial rules, it sets up, it says this is what it is the world, and it mostly holds true. So that was, that's good, you know, it, it makes sense narratively within the film, because time travel is a completely insane complex, you know, insane idea. So as long as you make your rules up and stick to them, I'm kind of okay with you using it as a, a plot device. Yes, yes. It's when you start chopping and changing the rules to make the script that you've just randomly written fit into uh-huh. the movie. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You know, Back to the Future's done it great. They've got the rules of time travel. That's totally fine. I'm happy with their rules. You know, other films do different rules of time travel. As long as you keep to your rules, I'm okay with it. Um, mm. What I'd say about this, it is, it's perfect Sunday afternoon viewing. It's sweet nice. and lovely and just enjoyable watch. It's only about 90 minutes long, 93 minutes long, so it's a nice quick film. Nothing too major. It has a distinctly non-American feel about it. It does seem very Canadian, which is sort of a really bizarre thing to say, oh, but it, does, it doesn't feel... It's just this idea of coming at something from a slightly different angle. You know, the, it's not a, it's not dealing with a big event. It's not dealing with... It's dealing with a smaller aspect. You know, Bad Futures is so great because yeah. it does the same. It deals with a very small, insignificant event, which is the meeting of his parents. You know, it's not trying to stop mm. a bomb going off. It's not trying to stop the end of the world. It's just simply trying to make sure people get together. And this is much the same. It's dealing with a very small, almost insignificant part, but it, that's what makes it... Um, so more interesting. Yeah, yeah. Right, cool. So it's nice. Um, I think you'd enjoy the nice weekend dinner time June. So I'd give it a very solid seven out of ten. Yeah, I, I'll go back and I'll see if it's uh, in my illegal stick yes. uh, later on since it disappeared yesterday. Nice one. So, yeah. yeah. Last film is one that is on Netflix, so available to all. It is a sequel to The Babysitter, which was out a few years ago, and it's called The Babysitter Killer Queen. Once again, directed by Mick G, who directed Charlie's Angels and The Babysitter before, and also many other overblown action movies. Um, the plot of this film is that the babysitter is back. The young boy who survived the um, the previous incarnation, they was up trying to steal his soul for, for, for a blood sacrifice. Um, they're all back to try to do it again, all for them to get out of hell. And um, if you remember the first one, all the people who are in it are back trying to basically, basically do again what they did last time. Only this time it's not set around yes. the house. Um, it's set sort of on a ring break vacation on a lake. That's that's what they're doing. It's just yes. again, once again, him trying to survive it with friends and also trying. He's also dealing with the fact that no one believed him from the first time. Everyone already thinks he's absolutely crazy. Um, mm. In the film, you've got Judah. Always cast back to the first one. Judah Lewis. Uh, who was in Demolition, uh, Sarah Tamara Weaving, who was really good in a film called Ready or Not, which was out uh, last year, uh, also Jenna Ortega, Robbie Arnell, uh, and Ken Marino and Leslie Bibb pop up as parents. Um, I loved the original, this one, I thought it was a really fun original movie. Um, did you ever see the original mm-hmm. film? No, I didn't, but um, but Stacey watched it, and then I said I was watching this one, and then she's like, oh, I'm not ready to watch it now, because she was watching something else. So um, I so I ended up watching this myself, but it plays it out pretty quickly to get you up to speed if you yeah, randomly yeah. haven't seen the first movie. Like within the first five minutes, you've got a good, comfortable grasp of everything that's going on. Yes. So that wasn't too bad. Um, what do you think, Robert? You're not a horror fan, so you don't you're not a big fan of horror. So I know this. This is I would say is not no. as much a horror. It's more a thriller with horror elements. It's very much, it's very comforting. Yeah. Yes, I was gonna say that it it was. For me, I even made a wee note about it when I was sitting there watching it. It was like, it's a kind of like a horror version of like kind of Scott Pilgrim. 
Yes, but see just yes. the way it's like filmed and all it's like the kind of natural progression for that audience to come into this movie you know uh-huh. um I, I i did that i enjoyed it you know like i said it's like it's not really horror it's like a wee bit like a silly gore and yeah. then it's like that's that bit it's like it's like over the top gore almost yeah. like a final destination yes heading into it you know so yeah i it was absolutely fine i, I enjoyed it it was is, would I be rushing back to see it? Probably not. Um, I'd maybe tell Stacey to watch it since she watched the first one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's just kind of nice one of those kind of throwaway movies. It's enjoyable for ninety minutes or so, however long it runs for. Um, yeah. I, I'm uh, much the same. Because I, I thought the first one, I really enjoyed it. The first one's got a really good tone. It runs like a really kind of eighties style, you know, like in all the eighties horror movie that kind of runs with that kind of tone. Um, mm. This I think was a bit more muddled. I didn't really know what it was trying to. Echo that to a lot of the also it's thrown a lot of stuff that maybe felt more modern, so it felt a bit more muddled in some respect. Mm. Um, did it? Did the film need a sequel? Probably not. I didn't really need it, but I can see why. Directed the first one was a really fun film to watch, trying to recapture that magic. Um, yeah. Again, I enjoyed the gore deaths. I thought they were funny. Most of them were, they were sort of well done. Um, mm. They weren't quite as inventive as they were in the first one. The first one seemed to have a bit of flair to what they're doing with it. Uh, um, okay, obviously, okay. in the first one, you're surprised by the terms of like who's good, who's bad. In this one, mm. you know who's good and bad quite early doors because it's a sequel year. Going, yes. I mean, it's pretty much laid out. Um, mm. The tone in this one wasn't quite as consistent as the original. That's what I'm talking about. You know, the first one had a real kind of 80s, early 90s tone to it. This one felt like it mm. didn't really know where to pitch itself. So it was trying to be a bit more modern, but that felt out of place compared to the first one. Um, mm. And it's probably had before. Even though I felt it's pretty short, like ninety-five minutes or something like that. There was just too yeah. many so- there's too many storylines again. You know, the stuff for the parents yeah. didn't need to be there. That that felt completely no. what's going on. You know, yeah, that that like made nothing to the movie was then to the two parents like sitting there smoking weed and all that. Like it just it just added nothing to the movie at all. Oh, that you know? made sense. That actually made sense more than the first one because that, that was the comedic tone the first one had. But mm. this one didn't feel like it had as much of a comedy in it and because of that that felt that was just forced upon it. Like they could either made the film and just sort of maybe go for a slightly darker tone. But it felt necessary to push this, mm. this sort of comedy aspect into it, which didn't really work with, between those two guys. It felt like we all just cutting away for it. Like it felt like they would take away from the main story. Yeah. Um, uh, cast mostly good. I thought they're all, all all the young kids in it were pretty were pretty funny and they all kind of they all kind of really embraced what they were doing. Um, I like the fact they play mm-hmm. on the trope of you know someone who's like maybe early twenties, late twenties, playing a teenager like the cheerleader and stuff like that. Like she's clearly not seventeen. Um, and most of the kind of look like they're the right age, but they kind of play into that idea. Um, that's, yeah, that's yeah, really yeah. Quite funny. Um, but just something like the parents just didn't fit in. They, they felt completely out from a different film, and that sort of felt like, well, why have them? Why even bother having them there? Other than the fact they were in the yeah. previous film, so you had to force them in. Um, same with the sort of new character. Yeah, they could... I thought she was good, but I didn't feel like it was adding another storyline to what, what wasn't really necessary. Mm, I, I didn't actually mind her being there because it kind of ultimately gave a kind of nice. Uh, yeah, ending to the movie I found, you know. Yeah, no, I liked, I liked her, I, but it, it just made a story, it really brought her in, this didn't yes. really work for me, it felt like it had too much of mythology to it, but you know, it didn't really need to be there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but again, it's a good sort of late night, Friday night, Saturday night watch, you know, when you come, you know, when you're sitting lying on the couch and there's not much else to do, it's that kind of really dumb, silly kind of film you can kind of just enjoy and invest, you know, it's not re, it's not nah. resetting the rule book or anything like that, but for what it is, like you said, 90 minutes, it's fun, it's enjoyable, there's enough silliness in it, but much like yourself, would I go back and watch it? Probably not anytime soon. Nah, nah. I feel like 
this is the kind of one that you watch if you've got folk over and they've never seen it before and you stick it on. Yeah. I mean, it might work with a, a, good, a good kind of fun drinking double bill. You know, I'll take a drink out and someone mm. dies in a weird way or something. You know, it might be a good kind of double bill for yeah, yeah. You know, a, a drinking game. And, yeah. And it's definitely better than that kind of film has been in the past, but it's still not, you know, wasn't brilliant, but it's enjoyable. Enjoyable for what it is. Mm. Out of 10, yeah. what you give it, sir? Uh, I mean, once again, it'll be another seven for me. Who's, seven, I'm giving it a bit more yeah. again. I'm going to go a six. Oh, oh, seven and sixes. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, it, it was good. You know, it's not a true horror, and it's it's a bit sl- yeah, silly and a bit slapstick, and I'm never going to rush back to go and watch it again. No. So, you know, right. so that's why well, it's quite low. If you're doing it, I if you're doing it, nothing else, like a Saturday night or a Sunday night, it's not a bad film to throw on. You know, for you sort of... Yeah. And... I think watch it's perfect for Netflix. It's a straight to DVD type movie, so it's perfect for Netflix. You you wouldn't go to cinema and watch that. You feel ripped off. Uh, but in your own house, I did. Home, you totally yeah. time with it. Yeah, Aye, exactly, exactly. It's it's like it's that's its perfect spot for it. You know. Yeah. It's, there used to be a whole raft of straight to DVD, straight to video movies, and mm. now it's went now they're straight to streaming. And sometimes they're a lot better than what used to be. And straight to, and straight to DVD, but every now and again you get straight to DVD stuff. You can see why it went straight to DVD, but you go, that's a really good film, and I enjoy it for what I, you know, it's a good, fun film, you know, and it's, it's something you can really get behind. Um, mm. well, some films don't really have much of a cinematic release, and they're suited better to video. You know, even something as big as a Shawshank Redemption done nothing in the cinema, but as a massive home mm. release, you know, it does amazing in, in, in the, on um, home video. Same as something like Dog Soldiers, mm. which is one of my favourite films. Made very little impact at the box office, but it's a DVD that I love, and I've watched it a thousand times. I know friends who love that film as well. It's, yeah, yeah. There's, a t- there's a place for everything. You know, one of our favourites, Kevin mm. Smith. Most of his films didn't do that yeah. well at the box office, but they've found a yeah. massive yeah. audience on, on home video, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's, it's a longevity of a film. A film can survive on mm. that kind of service, and there's nothing wrong with it. People keep coming back to it all the time. And I don't see people yeah. come back to this film all the time, but I think that's a, the, the streaming service is a perfect place for it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 100% agree. So that's us. So for next week, we've got a few. There's a, I'm going to give a, lot, a list of a bunch of them, but some of them probably won't be watched because of you know, cinema reasons. Um, one is on mm. Sky Movie, and it's called Don't Let Go, which is like a murder thriller horror, but with, not sorry, murder thriller with some time traveling stuff thrown into it as well. Um, very, very interesting okay. movie. Um, so it's called Don't Let Go. On Netflix, we have one called The Social Dilemma, which is all about Google and you know Twitter and Facebook and how they use your data and yeah. search you. So yeah, yeah. I, I picked that for you, Barry. I knew you're a man who who enjoys the um, the algorithms that are social media. So I thought you'd enjoy this one. Yeah. Um, we also have one yep. on Netflix, which I was trying to find for this week. Cause I thought you might like. It's called Danger Close, which is all about the Vietnam War. It's a, it's a movie. Not a documentary, it's, but from the Australian point of view, people forget that Australians fought in Vietnam, not just Americans, because oh, okay. Vietnam is quite close to Australia, so they also felt there's a, a reason to go oh. in there. So it's all about an Australian yeah. region in Vietnam, so apparently it looks quite interesting. Oh, okay. So that's one they've built. Yeah. And I always, like to see, I always like to see films come from a different angle. We've all seen the American angle in Vietnam, so yeah. see a different angle yeah, yeah. is quite interesting. Um, there are two films still at the It'll cinema that I want to see, um, and hopefully, try and mm-hmm. see one of these The New Mutants and Bill and Ted face the music so one of them two i'm going to try and get to see as well but i can't guarantee um i'll get to go but i'd like to go and see any uh, you know one of them mm-hmm. okay cool all right so, that's that's bad list, yeah. we, so we can try and watch one two three four or five of them see how many we can get through over the next, next week or so 
Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, Tell me what All the usual social media haunts: Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Three Beers in a Movie. That's great. That's this week, I've been Richard. You've been Barry. You've been listening to Three Beers in a Movie.